0: Gentlemen, let us begin. Great to have you with me here on the Great Man Podcast, where we call out the greatness in men. I want to tell you that we've had some great events recently. I was just this past weekend in Miami and met with some great guys down there at a resort and did some fishing and some snorkeling and and some training and developing of men. And then soon I'll be in Victoria, Texas. Uh, so good things are happening. More events on the way, and good things coming along. We'll keep you up to speed. Hey, I want to say real quick before I dive into our topic for this episode go to greatman.tv, greatman.tv. And go to the upper right-hand corner of the homepage. You'll see a link about supporting great man. I want you to be a partner in what we're doing. We're impacting men all over the world. We're going to have international events. We're going to have some conferences. Uh, We're constantly getting literature out there. Good things are happening. We're going to produce videos and do some television. And we are about trying to change and reverse the downward trajectory of men, the downward spiral of men in our generation and of manhood and the definitions and back battling back the, uh, the opposition to the very idea of manhood. All masculinity is toxic, we're told, where we're fighting that. We're trying to calm men to their greatness. We're trying to help men get whole. We're trying to address the negative trends in our culture. So help us. Go to greatman.tv, upper right-hand corner. You'll see a button. There are videos. There are ways to give. You can do it right now. You can do it as soon as this podcast is over. All right, let's get to it. I, I want to talk to you for just a moment about killing the creep. <laughs> You aren't going to know what that means until I explain it. Killing the creep. What I'm concerned about is the tendency for addiction, even relatively light addiction, in men. Now, let me explain this uh, in terms of psychology first, and then I'll explain a bit of how it works. Psychologists tell us that in the human psyche and the human soul, and now that we have brain science, we know it's also a function of brain science, that there is a law of diminishing returns to all pleasures. Some psychologists call this habituation. And you've experienced it in your life, right? You have your first of, let's say, a certain cookie that you really like, and you just eat one. And oh, man, it's wonderful. And you're loving it. And that's all. That's all I want. Thank you very much. And before long, one's no longer enough. Now two cookies has got to happen. Now you find yourself a few weeks later, you got a big old handful of those cookies. And now you're you're starting to buy them by the bag and keep them in your desk at work. And then eventually you're wondering if you should stock up a box full in your garage or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's always a law of diminishing returns to every pleasure. Uh, Everything you drink, uh, every, I'm talking about the kind of drinks that bring pleasure, uh, food, sex, pleasurable experiences. And part of the art of manhood is learning how to manage that. It's just simply hardwired into our souls that we have one of something, we want another, and then eventually the second is not enough, and now there's got to be three of them, and you go on and on and on. You've experienced this in your life. You've had a pleasure that when you first just nibbled on it, whatever that meant in that context, um, you were just blown away. How awesome, how amazing. Never had anything quite like that. Maybe it was an adventure, or maybe it was, you know, for your first kiss, or, you know, you think back on your life to all the ways that that you've stepped just, just put the first toe, so to speak, into the pool of a given pleasure. Well, over time, there's a law of diminishing returns. Over time, that first level of pleasure from the amount that you consumed, whatever it was, is not enough. Your body habituates. Your soul, your brain habituates. In other words, it gets used to it. This is one of the things that medical doctors have to work on, uh, is they can give you a certain amount of medicine, and if you take it over a long period of time, your body adapts. It gets used to it. It makes modifications. It then needs more to have the same response. You know what this is like. You take one aspirin, and eventually that's not enough. You need two. Uh, I've had doctors literally say, our big problem with this drug is habituation. The human body, uh, especially the body of, of men, the bodies of men, uh, and men especially who are athletic and active and have you know big, strong bodies, the body adapts. This is, a, by the way, worse with people in the, in the military, especially in special forces situations like SEALs and Green Berets and Rangers and so on. Um, their bodies are used to changing. People who lift weights, people who run, people who break records, people who break their own personal records. You're constantly training your body to adapt. So the one aspirin of a certain number of MGs is not enough after a while because your body adapts. It takes it, it uses it, it wants more. There's a lot of good to this feature of a our souls, our bodies, a lot of good things about it. But the fact is, and this is really where I'm going in this podcast, it can also lead to addiction. And I am very concerned about the creeping nature of addiction in a man's life. A lot of what causes problems for men, at least most men, is not something that's illicit. It's not something that's illegal or I would say, morally reprehensible, okay? I'm not talking necessarily about the big bad ones, prostitutes and porn and, you know, certainly not killing people. I'm not being that extreme. Let's just take an example that I'm thinking about right now from a conversation I had the other day. A man began by simply drinking acceptably, okay? Literally, it was a glass of wine with his wife once in a while at dinner, and then occasionally when they went out, and then maybe when they were on the beach for their vacation, you know, a margarita or two an evening. I mean, it was just relatively, I'll call that normal drinking, okay? Well, time went on. Those habits continued. And he loved loved it. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed the way his body relaxed at a glass of red wine or a margarita. He enjoyed it. And he never drank too much. And he'd never been drunk in his entire life. And he and his wife did not have their house filled with all kinds of exotic booze. And they weren't just boozing all the time. And they would never drink before five. You know, all the usual rules. He wouldn't drink alone. But over time... The effect of one glass of wine wasn't enough. I think I need to have another half. Just give me another half, man. I just want my body to relax like it did in those first months that I was having a glass of wine. Then eventually it was like, well, you know, really two would be a good idea. Let's have two per dinner. Well, you know where this went. And then before long, somebody introduced him to after-dinner drinks. So he'd have a couple glasses of wine with his dinner, and then afterwards they would be whatever, amaretto or drambouille or, you know, a port or some of you guys don't drink, don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm trying to speak in the terms of those who do. Well, before long, he's having almost every evening, and this is his report, he's having almost every evening four different drinks. Well, now he went from one that he often didn't finish to four different drinks. Now, I'm not even saying that that's necessarily immoral. I'm certainly not immoral, um, but I think it, the pace is what you got to look at. The, the growth, the development of the thing is what you have to look at. He's engaged in habituation. He's getting used to what he's consuming. Therefore, he's disappointed with the pleasure it gives him. Therefore, he's increasing the amount to gain more pleasure. Well, I think you know what I'm about to tell you. It increased. Now there's got to be a cocktail before dinner. Now there's got to be two cocktails before dinner. Before long, every evening is two cocktails before dinner and a glass, probably two glasses of wine with dinner and then an after dinner drink. Then the wife and the kids go to bed. He kisses them good night. He stays up. Maybe he's a good man. He does the dishes or he finishes a little work on the the proposal for work the next day. Now he's sitting on the back porch by his built-in fireplace and he's having a drink by himself. He's on his seventh drink now, and now he's starting the habit, which is a terrible habit to begin, by the way, of drinking by himself. Well, it goes on, and before long, I'm going to jump way ahead because that doesn't happen overnight. Before long, this man can't get through the day without a drink. This man travels with booze in his suitcase. This man is drinking too much. Uh, This man is becoming an alcoholic. And because he had a family history he didn't know about, genetic things now kick in that I'm no expert on, but we all know what I mean here. There are those of us who can have alcohol, and it's just what it is for the moment. And then there are those of us that having some alcohol triggers a whole genetic force in our bodies and our souls, and it can rage out of control like a flood. And that's what happened to this guy. So he began to drink too much. He was often secretly, quietly drunk at work, and drinking to get through situations. and And going on a vacation became not about you know the occasional, you know, plate of fajitas with a one margarita, hot dog that was fine. Not touch it again for six months. But no, no, no. Now it became about the drinking, being toasted on the beach, being toasted when he was uh, out with his wife. You know, drinking on the boat if he was out fishing, drinking with his buddies. Make sure you bring the beers. No, make sure you bring the whiskey. Make you bring the. Gin beam. And this guy descended into full-on alcoholism. And alcoholism always leads to other things. It leads to lying. It leads to the increase of the libido of lust. He began to mess around with other women. What I'm trying to tell you is this past week, I spent time with a man who has just really destroyed his life. And I believe he's fundamentally a good man, but I believe the law of diminishing returns, what you might call the reverse pleasure principle or habituation, a creeping addiction kicked into his life. Now, I I admit his story is extreme. His story is extreme. Uh, I drank alcohol, as all of you know, I'm drinking in moderation. I'm never drunk and uh, it doesn't creep up on me. I don't have a history of alcoholism personally, certainly, or uh, there's only one person in my entire family I can think of uh, that's ever been in that situation. So socially acceptable, whatever you want to call it, moderate drinking, just the normal grace of life drinking. I mean, as somebody once joked, drinking like Jesus did, (laughs) you know, meaning enjoy it as a grace of life. Enjoy it at the moment of celebration. Don't let it dominate your life. Okay, that's that's how I have whatever alcohol I have. Now, my point in all this is that this is a principle of all pleasures, and you've got to manage that because in our high-stress world, especially with the psychology and biology of men... The potential for addiction, even if you don't have a biological heritage of addiction, even if you don't have a family history, the fact is this can kick on in you, it can create a secret life. Uh, it can create what they the, they used to call in the 1800s a tippler, somebody who's keeping a bottle in the bottom drawer of his desk and taking a couple of sips during the day, and all that kind of thing. And before long, I'm telling you, you're finding not only the the least important thing, but still important is that your the the calories are just creeping up on you. I mean, when when I've had medical people who are who advise me and what I do with men, it tell me sometimes these guys who are drinking secretly are adding four and five thousand calories a day. I mean, that's that should be all you take in in a day, but they're adding that to their diets uh, just as a matter of calories, and they are ballooning up and causing all kinds of cardiac problems and what have you. Then, of course, there's the the, the lying and the deception that's got to come with it to make it possible. Then there's what you do when you're drunk. Uh, and then, of course, there's the total devastation of your life. The way to manage this is to know that pleasures have a diminishing return. And so rather than adding amounts, add variety, okay? You've got to know that every pleasure you enjoy comes back to you the next time with a little bit less satisfaction. It's just the way we are made. It's not the problem with the world. It's the problem with us. Now, that can be good in terms of workout and in terms of reading and studying and in terms of how much you know and in terms of things like that. That can be good. By the way, I'll be rather blunt. Ladies, if you're listening, excuse me, and I know I have many female listeners. I believe in a passionate, glorious sex life within marriage. And uh, yes, that that same thing happens there. The same old acts done the same old way at the same old time in kind of a robotic fashion have a diminishing return. So but rather than adding uh, amounts of sex I mean, that's certainly fine within marriage, but that's going to be a challenge. And a lot of guys add amounts by going outside the marriage. You have variety. You talk to each other. What do you really love? We've never done it this way. We've never done it in this kind of place. Let's take a sex vacation. Would you wear this? Can we do that? Bring some whatever, you know, liquids or whatever makes it joyous. Go with variety. Go with excitement. Go with knowledge about each other rather than becoming, and it's very easy, to become, and I've seen many of them, becoming a sex addict who's trying to sleep with everything that moves outside of his marriage or has blown up his two or three marriages long ago and now is trying to have sex with everything that moves. I've seen it destroy lives, and I believe that in some cases, you're talking about the same dynamic we were talking about a moment ago in the example with booze, and that is that the guy wanted sex, but he didn't realize that to have a fulfilling sex life, you want it with one woman, you want passionate and alive, but with a lot of variety, not just more, 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 because you can never just have sex all day if you you lined up partners, not to be impure in my thoughts here, but even if you lined up partners and just had sex all day, it would still be diminishing returns. We all know that for heaven's sakes. Yet that's how some guys think. We all have friends who are dogs and that's how they think. So, I want you to look at what might be creeping into your soul. I like this word creeping because it doesn't just knock on the door and, and move in in great big boxfuls. It creeps into you sugar, excess food, booze, sex. What else? What, what, what can there be? What can there be an addiction to? Maybe I take some, we, we all know that, of course, with the oxycodone uh, crises of late uh, and other, other kinds of crises that we've had medically, that medications, you can start with a little bit of medication to kill a headache or kill a broken ankle or, you know, kill the pain from a certain problem in your body, but eventually addictions can set in because your body wants more. We just had a, a national rape from that kind of crisis and the way some pharmaceutical companies fed that crisis. And by the way, there are some great documentaries and great uh, movies on Netflix and Amazon and some other places where you can get a sense of how this actually works. So what you wanna do is not think in terms of adding more and more and more and more of the same thing, but go with variety. This is what psychologists recommend. The psychologists deal with this all the time, the diminishing returns of the pleasures we try to give ourselves to. And this is what creates some of the ridiculous trends in our society. How big does a car need to be? How big does a boat need to be? How big does a house need to be? You understand what I'm saying? How big do your muscles need to be? I want you to be strong and buff and look good and feel good in your skin and be able to function and do physical things with your kids and be a great lover to your wife. I want all that for you. But I, but I mean, for heaven's sakes, you don't need to look like, you know, a double Arnold Schwarzenegger in his 20s. You understand what I'm saying? So the goal is to go wide rather than going long, if that makes any sense. Going long means doing more of the same thing. Going wide means adding variety. Adding variety with the food, with the drink. Don't drink more. Keep yourself within boundaries. Enjoy what you drink and maybe add some variety rather than adding more alcohol. That, this is, by the way, why some people eat chocolate within cubes and some of the chocolate producers actually make little cubes uh, in their chocolate bars so you can break them off and eat them one little piece at a time. Deny yourself just a little bit. Eat just a little bit less. You actually can train your body to be satisfied with less if you'll just eat it in small amounts. But I know people, and so do you, who weigh four or 500 pounds. They've, they're just out of control. We now see people on television, extremes cases, 800 pounds, 600 pounds, and these are people who can just put down... Three bags of Oreos in one sitting, and finish off a a jar of mayonnaise with some fried chicken drumsticks that they got at Fast Food Place and hork it down in one sitting. I've seen it. I've helped to address it. I've helped with interventions. I've helped confront it. And it is a tragedy. And it's largely a result of some aspect of this dynamic I'm talking about the creep up of addictions in your life. So I want to talk to you straight, guys, because that's what this podcast is about. Is that late night? Whiskey, becoming two or three, creeping up on you. Are you thinking about booze during the day? Can't wait till happy hour. Maybe you've blown way past happy hour. Now it's you got the three martini lunch or whatever going on. Get honest with yourself. Turn to your band of brothers. Get help. Start rehabituating. If you are in the chronic addiction phase, go to a professional who knows what's going on. And By the way, when you get to that point, you've told a lot of lies. You need to get some people involved you can't lie to. You can't lie to. People who know the patterns, know the lies, know the deceptions. I've actually watched a specialist in alcoholism go into a guy's office who had just come clean to him and start pulling out all the bottles that had been hidden. And the guy had just said, I'm clean. I've gotten rid of all the bottles. I want you to help me get over my addiction. And the guy said, okay, do I have access to your life? The dude said, yes. In the car, in the office, and at home, I think he pulled out 40 or 50 bottles because he knows the lies. He knows the deception. He knows the way people protect themselves. What's yours is it pills is it booze is it food uh, maybe you're into the into porn I'll tell you what that's that's an area of total diminishing returns and gratification You've get, you got to get you have to go weird and strange and perverse if you stay in that for years because just staring at the initial kind of playboy level of porn does not bring satisfaction that's been proven by the whole of male history on earth what is it? Is it buying things? Are you a shopaholic? I'm not going to list all the possibilities, but you know what I'm talking about. And I want to see you get free. And I want to tell you that some of you may be sitting there and you're just like me. I honestly, to God, don't have any addictions. But I do some things that could creep up on me. I eat food. I consume the occasional sugar. I drink alcohol. Uh, I enjoy sex with my wife. I mean, there are things that I have going in my life that are absolutely within normal boundaries right now. But because I understand this principle, I watch. And I have some principles. I don't drink alone. You know what I'm saying? I don't, there are certain things I don't do. You've got to have those things in your life. You've got to watch. And I'm, I've been dealing with so much male addiction of late. I'm convinced that amongst the thousands of men listening to this podcast, there's just no question that a huge portion of you, not the majority, but a, but a disturbing portion, have got some area where if you're honest with yourself, where if you'll sit in your control room, like I've taught you to do in this podcast, and look over your life, you will see that there's the growth of a pleasure where you're trying to squeeze more satisfaction out of something that you consume, out of something you enjoy. It's diminishing, and you're driven to extremes. Kill the creep. Kill the creep. Get help. Talk to your band of brothers. Call in specialists if you need. Defeat this thing. I'll tell you what. What'll do it for me, If even if I don't care about living honorably before God and my band of brothers and being honorable with my wife, is that I look in the faces of my children or my grandchildren, and I think, you know what? I don't want to pass these bondages on to the next generation. And as a society, that's what we're doing. Kill the creep. This is one of the great arts of great manhood. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen to speak at your man's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production.